Welcome to the Miskatonic Playhouse. I'm T.A. Newman, your host and keeper. Tonight we welcome you back to Cult and Culpability, the matinee performance in celebration of Regency Cthulhu, Chaosium's new historical setting for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. In a moment, we'll rejoin the Prido family. But first, a reminder that Chaosium's tabletop role-playing game Call of Cthulhu contains mature themes, including cosmic horror, character death, and loss of sanity. With the extended Prido family discovering Christopher Burroughs outside Anastasia's room in the middle of the night, it is the red-eyed shadow man that stalks the halls at midnight that causes the real scandal, lightning strikes. And as the red-eyed man disappeared into the night, our investigators asked themselves, can lightning really strike twice? And now it's time to pull back the curtain and roll the dice. The morning arrives. You have no sign of this silhouette with red eyes and red mist peeling from those eyes. No sign of anything, no sign of anyone. Charlotte, no sign of this second person. But the sun rises, the thunderstorm passes, and you are all still alive. The carriage is brought round, your bags are packed, Everything's put inside. Your carriage driver is up on the carriage, awaiting your departure. Mr. Burrows, most likely, tell me, Mr. Burrows, wriggling the situation on. Mr. Oldworth is very much waiting. He is. I'm very conscious of the facts. Uh, Mr. Burrows will not have gotten much sleep, so his, his wide eyes are now red-rimmed, and he is attempting, um, sort of, in a faintly yawning way, to usher everybody on. I don't think there's much issue. Please tell me, does anybody find much issue with getting on the carriage and on getting on the way to Kingscombe? Let's get out of here. To the Can inevitable funeral that is Lord Matthew Prido. The mystery that lingers over all of you. Well, it is on this fine day, the 8th of the 5th, 1812, and you have left this manor house at the crack of dawn. Mr. Burroughs nudging the, the carriage driver to make haste and my word do you make haste you make some haste uh, you're a few hours away just very quickly on the carriage on the way there what is it you do just very quickly from each of you is there is there anything you do it might be that you just hold yourself steady and you know you've got to get there because there is this family funeral to attend an unusual family funeral to attend and we'll just move through the group uh mr burrows will come to you last if that's okay uh reverend what is it that you do on the carriage ride leading into kingscombe well after giving a uh, suitable tip to the house that they stayed at and apologizing profusely for uh, the uh, trouble he is very lost in his own mind he is just sitting there gazing out of the window, looking at the countryside passing, occasionally glancing back into the carriage, looking at the people he has to shepherd. He is trying to be the good shepherd, trying to see these people safely to their next port of call, and that weighs on him that, you know, what if he will fail them? 
what if he will let them down somehow? You know, he looks over at Mr. Burroughs. He seems like a respectable chap. Maybe he'll join the family and put Master Thomas's uh, mind at ease. But also he worries about that card that he's been given and it weighs on his mind that there is danger probably waiting for them in Kingscombe. The rhythmic rocking of the the carriage just kind of drifts you off into that mindset, Reverend, as you, you think on those you must protect. Anastasia and Charlotte, the rhythmic rocking of the carriage, you can't help but let it remind you of the imbalance of the boat you dreamed about individually, separately, neither of you really knowing about the other, Anastasia. So I think since last night, Anastasia has been trying to to think about the news of Mr. Jenkins dying and what it could mean that she's been receiving all these letters after his death and who is sending her all these letters. So I think she will have collected all, all the letters. And when you've got these letters, yeah, what do you do with them? Yeah, she she will collect all the letters and then kind of read them again and again frantically. And then she has the sense that no one wants to hear about this. She feels like she's been blocked out. Her brother kind of tried to call her, like tried to say that she's making it up. Mr. Barrow seems more interested in in going to his boss. So she she wants someone's help, but... Maybe Charlotte shows some interest, but last night she was also too preoccupied with what she's seeing. And she's trying to figure out how to make sense of all of this. Thomas, you see your sister just scanning these letters, reading them over and over and over. Is there anything that you do? Thomas is a bit perturbed by what's been going on. Again... Anastasia's right. Thomas is thinking that the, the man with the red glowing eyes jumping out of a window, that sounds a bit like a fantasyful dream. But letters are tangible evidence. Letters exist. And I, I think Thomas is concerned that if Anastasia is receiving letters, especially from Mr. Jenkins, a man whom scandal follows uh, in his every step, I think Thomas will genuinely concerned, ask Anastasia whether he can look at the letters. And once reading through and understanding that the content of them, Thomas is going to start writing his own letter to Mr Jenkins. Hmm. He might not send it straight away. It'll sit in his pocket. But he's going to pen it anyway. Charlotte. Charlotte is worried. She's thinking about everything that happened last night and she's thinking about that figure that she saw, well, both figures, the one under the oak with the red eyes and the one around the corner of the house. And she's racking her brains, trying to think, who is this person? She knows that she knows them. They seem so familiar. And she's really trying to think hard and trying to work out what is it about this person that she knows that she knows. She's also really worried about these red eyes. What on earth is going on there and she's looking through her notebook because she's been trying to rewrite for a few weeks now the that fairy tale of the little goose girl but the new version the slightly more gothic version of it taking from the dream that Anastasia had and she's looking back through her notes and wondering is this something 
has she imagined this? Has she drawn this from her notes? Has she ever written anything about a person with red eyes? Is she imagining all of this? But it's just coming from her writings? Mm, okay. Um, can you give me a... Was, it, was there a folklore role? I've got art, craft, writing, folklore, slash fairy tales. Yeah, I'd like to have that, please, just quickly. Okay. Oh, that's a failure. 72 against 40. Somewhere, someone with red eyes is in one of the folk tales you've told, you've read. Someone's read to you, but it's not unsurprising. But somewhere, it's in there somewhere. You just can't figure out where. Mm-hmm. Mr. Burrows. Mr. Burrows might have seemed uh, a little aloof and distracted for the first part of the ride, um, scribbling away in his little leather-bound notebook uh, and occasionally taking out the Seven of Swords tarot card that he's using as a bookmark and just sort of staring at it and blinking. But he does become very interested in the letters um, being discussed by Thomas and Anastasia and he doesn't want to appear, particularly if he's still catching, um, you know, the odd side-eye from a suspicious Thomas. He doesn't want to appear too interested or intrusive, but he does try to slip in the occasional question, and if he's able to, politely, uh, he'd like to see the rest of these letters. Oh, I think that depends on Thomas and Anastasia, who are handling the letters. Anastasia would be more likely to share them with Mr. Burrows than her brother. So if her brother's reading them and Mr. Burrows is interested, she's probably going to take them <laughs> and give them to Mr. Burrows because she doesn't trust her brother and her brother doesn't trust her. <laughs> Thomas, any uh, reason to stop Anastasia taking her letters and giving them to the good Mr. Burrows? I, I think once Thomas has read them through once, the, the contents is pretty clear. And I think Thomas's mind's going to be whirring, so probably won't notice that the letters are removed <laughs> from his hand while he's thinking over this, staring out of the window. Okay, the letters go off to Mr. Burroughs, very much to look through. Charlotte, no one's offered you the letters. <laughs> no one's shown you the new letter, have they? they I wonder have why not. that is. I mean, <laughs> the Priddos have seen them, Mr. Burroughs have seen them, they haven't included you. Shame. Is there a reason, do you think? <laughs> Not a real Brita. You took the words from my mouth. Mr. Burroughs is, though. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Brito to be. You So you find the carriage, the rhythmic motion of the carriage carries you on. Time passes. The storm is very much in the distance. And you find, actually, that you're riding into mid-morning. And it is beautiful. You're recognising the countryside is beautiful. The green, the foliage, it is a wonderful time of the year. Spring has sprung and you are looking at a wonderful, wonderful ride. And as you find yourself going past Exeter, further down the coast, making your way right down towards Plymouth, but not quite because you're turning off before you get to Plymouth, but you are very much in South Devon and you find yourself aiming towards the sea and you hear a knock from the carriage driver, just gives two knocks. And that's usually the sign of, you know, something's something's happening or, you know, something's going on. Uh, not an alarm, anything like that, but the knock signifies for anybody who's happy to just cast their eye outside of the window, which you have on either side of the carriage, 
that you can see the sea. The ocean is before you. But more importantly, as you're up on this rather high hill, you can see below in this valley the town of Kingscombe. And it's a bustling town. There appears to be lots going on, but you're still out on the road on the way in, lots of fields. I'm just going to ask quickly for a spot hidden from anybody who fancies looking out of the window on their way into Kinscombe. You could all be very excited and do this, or you may be preoccupied with some other uh, interest you may have. So, please, who is interested? Reverend, are you interested? Uh, the Reverend is interested, but he is away with the fairies. He's just drifting away, looking at the clouds more than anything else. Pondering on responsibility, no doubt. Mm. Uh, Charlotte, are you interested? Charlotte is indeed interested, and she's got 21 against 35. Oh, anybody else interested? Let me see. Um, okay, well, shall I just ask for a roll from everybody? Let's go for it. Um, Mr. Thomas Prido, may I ask? I'm interested. Thomas is looking out of the window and rolled a naught five, which is an extreme success. Okay. Anastasia, are you interested? Yes, Anastasia is looking out the window while other people are reading her letters and contemplating uh, her death, probably. <laughs> and she rolled a 21 over 45, which is a hard success. So two hard successes, one extreme success and one pondering responsibility. Mr. Burrows, I imagine you're probably having a nose, aren't you? Yes, uh, very excited to finally be doing my job and bringing the Priddos to Kingscombe. <laughs> um, hopefully Mr. Aldworth won't be too upset at the delay, uh, but apparently my failure of 68 over 40 communicates that I must instead be scribbling in my trusty notebook. And most likely just making sure papers for Mr. Aldworth are in order, surely. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we're here. Excellent. I've got to double check all the papers. Well, let me tell you, Charlotte and Anastasia, that, and obviously, Thomas, you see this, but Thomas, I'm going to give you a bit more. You're looking out, you see the ocean, you see the town, but what's really bizarre is in a field, not too far away, but, but far enough away where you can see uh, maybe five individuals standing. It's quite bizarre. They're almost standing in some kind of formation. Two on one side, two on the other side, and one in the middle, standing a bit further back. They're clearly after something. They're clearly doing something. Thomas, perhaps this is experience. Perhaps this is just the fact that you haven't had a drink in a few hours. But you, Thomas, see one individual from each of the pairs step forward, raise an arm to each other, and you see a puff of smoke coming from one of the arms. And you see the other individual drop to the ground, but you all hear a And then you see the individual standing in the middle raise his left arm towards the individual still standing. Lots of individuals. The three of you recognize, as much as Thomas has had the more detailed view, but you all recognize that you've just seen a jewel on the outskirts of Kingscombe as you are riding in. The individuals move around. The one that won with his second, you see them shake hands, you see them get on horses, and you see them ride off to town. You see the person who was most likely uh, organizing, adjudicating such a matter, help the other second take care of the remains of the opposition. As your carriage rides on down the road and you find 
that you are in Kingscombe. And there is a wave of, I suppose, relief that washes over you. There is an unknown entity to this, apart from Mr. Burroughs, who has been here before, but you are here. Everything has been leading up to this moment. And as you ride into the town, you see that you are riding eastwards after you've dropped into the town and lower into the valley. And as you ride in, you see that there is a manor house out on the outskirts of the town. And then there is the town proper. But because of the shape of the valley, you can actually see that there is one manor house that you're riding past now. There is another up on the hill back up towards the valley. And then there is a third on the far side of the town. It's almost as if each one of those manor houses kind of looks over the, the, the town itself. And you find that the coach driver takes you into the town. You see the buildings, the cobbled roads. It's quite bustling. There's lots going on. Uh, a lot of people seem to be wearing black. Quite a lot of people. In fact, everybody. Every single person is wearing black and there's no role needed here. You all see it. But it's not long before you arrive at Prudhoe Manor. And it is quite a sight. It is a huge manor. There is a uh, rounded road at the front with a fountain in the middle. And as you ride up, you see that the, 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 the grounds around are quite impressive, manicured. You can see that there's a lake. You can see that there's a series of quite unusual holes that have been dug into the ground. And you can see that there is someone standing at the door waiting for you. An older gentleman wearing all blacks, white gloves, long tails, and the carriage pulls up to the front of the house and you are here. Marvellous, the Reverend will wait for the servants to open the door and then we'll uh, disembark first of all. The gentleman who is waiting for you with the white gloves and the long tails recognises that the carriage has stopped, trots over across the, the, the gravel driveway and very quickly opens the door, pulls the, uh, attaches the steps to the carriage and awaits and gestures to the front of the house for you. He will uh, step down with it. Thank you, Booker Man. Uh, inside, is it? Uh, very good, sir. Yes, in the inside. Um, my name is Harris and I am uh, yours, sir, while you are here. Thank you very much, Harris. It has been quite the journey. I should tell you about it later. First of all, I, I must get these people inside. Come along, you lot. Please. I'll take you all uh, to see uh, Mr. Oldworth and I'll have one of the staff um, get your bags and take them to your rooms for you. Uh, indeed, indeed. Now, um, quiet word, Harris. Last night we were bothered by some intruders at our estate. And I wonder if you could uh, have an extra watchman patrol the grounds for us, just to make sure that, well, we're not disturbed tonight. And he'll usher people in and make sure they are inside and... He'll be first one out, but last one into the mansion. Just as you're all ushering in, and I imagine you're doing that, and I imagine Mr. Burroughs is very excited to be a part of the usher going in to find Mr. Oldworth, uh, oh, yes. where um, <laughs> where uh, uh, Mr. Harris is taking you in. He's leading you through the house. I'm just going to quickly ask, Anastasia, could you give me a power roll, please? Oh, yes. Let's see. Oh, that is at 2 over 65, an extreme success. Wow. And my streak continues. Your streak continues indeed. <laughs> well, luckily for you, 
or unluckily for you, depending on how you see it. Mm. Everybody's moving in. Harris, uh, the Prido Manor butler, is ushering everybody in. He's explaining to uh, the good Reverend George and the the heir apparent, Thomas Prido, going in, you know, kind of saying, Mr. Oldworth is is in the drawing room. Uh, we'll go in there. And, you know, he's, he's set up um, proceedings in the study. And when uh, uh, Mr. Barrows agrees that it's time, I'll take you through to see. And as this conversation's going on, and Charlotte's kind of you know, going uh, with them as well. You can't help, Anastasia, but as you're moving with the group, just turn your head quickly back. And for a second, for a split second, you catch, just as he's walking away into the servants' quarters, you catch the carriage driver, who's been wearing this big, long coat the whole time and a tri-corner hat. And for a second, you think you see a hint of red in his eyes as he disappears around the corner, down the steps, and into the servants' quarters. No. No. How do you conduct yourself, Anastasia? Is this a personal moment of reflection? Do you alert anybody? Everybody seems quite carried away going off to see a certain Mr. Oldworth. Anastasia will look very distressed, make uh, whimpering and noises to herself. And I think uh, if no one pays attention to her and asks her if anything is wrong. She's going to take some time looking around, panic, try to figure out what the best thing to do is. The Reverend will very much be looking for any kind of altercation as he gets them from the carriage to the mansion, so hopefully he will spot this. Well, the reason it was a power wall, because essentially it was a almost a pull mentally, a moment where Anastasia felt this pull this draw and it was just a quick glance back and with a roll like that you were able to see this hint of red almost as if it left a trail where the individual walked almost as if there was this slight mist that pulled from the eyes a red mist that pulled from the eyes but the carriage driver who has been with you this whole time disappears down the steps and into the servants quarters Reverend, you're very welcome to make a roll, and anybody's welcome to see if they were able to observe this moment, but you are, I'm going to say this is at a disadvantage, and the reason I'm going to say that is because Harris very much has your attention, he's ushering you in, I imagine, Mr. Burrows, you are helping this this, uh, promenade uh, into the house? Oh yes, trying very hard not to skip. (laughs) We're nearly in the presence of Mr. Aldworth. And so I'm going to say that these are at a disadvantage. Anybody who did want to make this roll, it's at a disadvantage because there's so many kind of uh, people trying to get you through into the house. So, Reverend, what did you roll? The, the Reverend is too busy looking and fails with 85 versus 31. Okay, well, uh, you end up going into the house then. Anastasia, just before we follow that train of action towards Mr. Aldworth, is there anything you'd like to do? After she makes her whimpering noises, but no one pays attention as she expected, she might actually... She's quite familiar with being in the servants' quarters back at her mm. her house. Uh, she spends a lot of time there, so she wouldn't necessarily feel unwelcome going there. It is a new house, so she is a bit concerned about kind of the layout and whether she's getting lost or whether they'll be a well- unwelcoming. But she feels like she must warn them if this person is going to be down there with them, with the red eyes. So she's going to excuse herself and go there. 
is she going to do so in a way that catches anyone's attention or is this a genuine excuse me uh, whilst I I mean take she's care of clearly myself. agitated so that that still shows she's still kind of panicking like uh, excuse me and then kind of rush away now does the reverend see that well, I think this is a part of the same thing, really. I think this is still part of the same, you know, Anastasia is reacting to the moment. The Reverend was the only person who said that they wanted to react to it and failed that observation. So I'm going to say, Anastasia, that you're able to sneak yourself off on your own. And we'll come back Great. to you in a moment because... what I was hoping for. <laughs> 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 Mr. Burrows, you almost take charge, I imagine, uh, from Harris the butler leading you into the house. You know that um, Mr. David Oldworth Esquire is in the drawing room, as the butler Harris has mentioned to you. Be still my heart. Yes, uh, he, he scurries ahead of the party um, and gets to the final door just a moment before the butler can open it and opens it himself. Breach of protocol, but he simply cannot wait. <laughs> the doors open and in the dining room you find at the far end of the table, uh, sorry, the drawing room, sorry, you see that there is um, an elderly gentleman and this elderly gentleman is smoking a cigarette and drinking a cup of tea a low bow first of all so i think maybe people have to sort of stop and domino into each other for just a moment because he stops right in the doorway and then as he straightens up mr oldworth presenting the prito family mr oldworth has this unique look about him he looks, he doesn't look that old, but you can see with the experience uh, that he brings, the experience that he has in his eyes, uh, you can see that he is um, someone who is very much practiced in meeting people. And you can see in this moment that Mr. Oldworth's eyes never really fully open. They're like half open. And he just looks up and in this almost very, very practiced manner addresses the group. It is an absolute pleasure to see you here. Extended Prudhoe family, please come in and join me. Sit, so we may talk. I am extremely, extremely excited beyond reason to have you here at the house and be able to conduct business with you on behalf of the Prudhoe family. You have no idea what this means to me and my business. I whisper to whoever's next to me, I've never seen him so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he can hardly contain himself, can he? <laughs> and enter into the room. Would the etiquette be to just sit and do as they're told, or would it be a handshake greeting? Uh, uh, so, sorry, quite right, Reverend. So he says sit, but as he does, uh, he very slowly kind of pulls himself up from the chair and he gives a bow to you, uh, to, to you as the Prudos. And after kind of you know, bowing to you as the Prudos, he kind of follows your lead. So if you were so willing to uh, debase yourselves and go for a handshake with this, shall we say, professional, he would obviously accept that. But at the same time, he has been hired to do a job by others of your rank and stature, as you know. So he kind of leaves that up to you. He bows deeply brings himself back up and with his half moon eyes just waits for you to sit or shake his hand or present any other level of formalities that he will follow. Thomas is going to treat this in any way that he would treat anybody who is not of the gentry 
and a, a stiff little nod of the head and sit down. Reverend, how do you approach the situation? The Reverend just has his eyes fixed and notices Master Thomas walking in and sit down and he, he not acknowledge this, but do his own walking in and sitting down. And uh, Mr. Aldworth uh, turns to Charlotte and bows again. You must be uh, Miss Anastasia Prudhoe. An absolute honour to meet you. It is a privilege beyond expectations. Oh, no, I'm I'm sorry. There's, there's been some mistake. Uh, my name is uh, Charlotte Lambert. I am Anastasia's cousin and her oh, companion. I see. He sits down. Reverend looks around at Charlotte and... Charlotte, where is Anastasia? And Charlotte looks around and sees no Anastasia. I, I don't know. I thought she'd followed us in. Oh, for heaven's sake. Mr. Burroughs is distraught. <laughs> I promised she was here. I, I had them all, Mr. Watford. Mr. Burroughs, would you please make yourself useful and prepare the study for the last will and testament immediately? Of course, yes, at once, at once. He scurries out. And there is a piece of paper that is in front of Mr. Aldworth on the table. And he just says, I am so incredibly sorry for your loss. This must be an incredibly trying time. I understand. Emotions must be high. If anybody needs to console themselves, I am here to talk about their emotions. But I understand I am here in a legal manner. I must present you with this, and slides across the table this funeral service that is pre-printed, pre-prepared. It looks like it's a it's it, it's something that you would have expected to see, and you're very welcome to look at it. Um, the Reverend will scoop it up. This is practically his daily newspaper. Um, he has seen these funeral sort of things so often when he has been doing burials of well-to-do people at his parish. So he will uh, give it a look over and see if everything is in order. Okay, you're very welcome to look at it for a moment. Just as you are looking at it, and there's actually a, there probably a couple of these that he's pushed out to you. He's probably uh, Reverend slid one over to you, Thomas slid one over to you, Miss Lambert. He's probably got a couple of extra spares. To whether he's pushed them out to you is 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 probably not. Um, Ouch. Well, he doesn't know your particular relation to the family, and uh, I think any opportunity to remind you you're not part of the family is my duty as keeper. <laughs> uh, I have to take advantage of that. Uh, so, Mr. Burroughs, um, <clears throat> Mr. Burroughs, you're off to the, uh, the actual study now. And in the study, um, you can see that Mr. Oldworth has set the room in preparation. Tables around the desk, uh, that is the, the Prudo desk, uh, the Prudo study. And you can see laid out on the table is the actual last will and testament that he has prepared there. So, well, my breath catches in my throat, obviously. And he's essentially asked you to be in the room, be prepared, so that when he comes in with the family, you are ready to read this and present this to the group. He can do so, if you'd like, but he seems to be offering you an opportunity here. Oh yes, and Mr. Burroughs is hungry for it, so he's, he's licking his lips, looking at the stack of legal documents written mm -hmm. in Mr. Aldworth's own hand. He simply cannot wait. Uh, if the room is already sort of laid out in readiness, then he's sort of 
his eyes dart around and he, he sort of fusses with a chair, like moves an inch over there. No, no, it's better where it was before. Okay, dust the table slightly. There's no dust on there. Uh, sit down. No, stand, but better to be standing. And he'll just sort of be very ready. Okay. And just whilst the good reverend and Thomas are looking at the uh, the funeral service, that is the, the good reverend's kind of bread and butter, as we said, Anastasia, you have gone downstairs to the servants' quarters. Yes. Please tell me what it is that you intend to do. I am looking for the scary carriage driver and also introducing myself very quickly to the staff. The staff are all bowing in your presence, curtsying in your presence, averting their gaze in your presence. They are treating you as the lady of the house. They know no better, but they know, they know nobility. So she will introduce herself continuously, but also keep saying, no, please do stand up. No, there's no need for this. I'm, I'm just, I'm, have you seen a man with the hat at the, the carriage drive? Not one of you. Um, no, ma'am. Um, is there anything we can get for you, ma'am? You just came here a second ago. Please, just... Um, you you see that there's there's a lady that steps forward. She seems very competent. She seems almost like to be the head of the, the, this area here. Um, my lady Prado, is, is is there something that I could um, help you with? Um, we're not accustomed to your family coming down to the servants' quarters. I just I just saw a man that that I know come here, and I I fear that he might be dangerous, and I just wanted to. To see and to warn you, and I just—I've had such a such a terrible, terrible night. We had intruders, and I—I I don't want to bring that here to you. Of course, of course, like, of course Can you search? Uh, we, search? We'll search. Orders? We'll search. You see that she looks at a couple of the, the the kind of stuff and just kind of nods and just kind of gives a gesture for them to look around. Let me get you some tea. Uh, we'll bring it upstairs for you. There's some lovely rooms upstairs. Have you, have you seen the library or, or perhaps the gallery or the conservatory? We can, we, if you find yourself a room, milady, we, we'll bring tea and perhaps some cake and um, we'll search for this dangerous man and um, we'll make sure... That, could you give me a spot hidden roll, please, Anastasia? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Ah, first failure of the night. It's a 62 over 45. Okay, so you're looking around and you don't see red eyes. You okay. just see very cautious, concerned members of the, the, the staff here at Prado Manor. And there's a fair few. This is a, I mean, this place makes Shepford Manor look like its little brother. I mean, this is a big manor. There are more staff. There are wow. more rooms. This is this is very, um, you know, if you were in Shepford on the cusp of kind of riding that, we are a part of the ton. We're gaining that reputation here, at the size of this town. Wow, this is a this is a ruling family's house. Mm. This is the ruling class that you find yourself in here, and you didn't see. Any red eyes or any lingering red mist. But just as this lady, this serving lady, has finished uh, appeasing you, talking about bringing you cake and tea and we'll meet you in the conservatory and there's some botanicals in there, etc., etc. Just from the past her, you see on the floor, thrown to the side, 
a rather large overcoat and a tricorn hat. What? Hold on. Whose are these? And she points to it. Oh my God, Mum, I'm so sorry. Somebody pick those up, no, please, and put them... The man, the intruder, he, he was wearing this hat and this coat. Um, he must still be in. Um, he couldn't have left without his coat. Milady, the, um, this is the coach driver's um, clothing. Um, uh, I... I no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're such a mess here. We're, we're, we're huge apologies. I can't apologise enough. Where is the driver? I want to talk to him. Um, I, I will. Um, one moment, ma'am. And she kind of runs off and scurries off into a group of other servants who are all kind of trying to put together tea very quickly and and cake and things. Uh, and then she comes back a moment later. Um, this Adrian. Adrian, bow, Adrian. <laughs> uh, a, a young boy, uh, not a young boy, a, a, a young man comes up and whoop, bows, head back up. Milady, Lady Prudhoe, it is an absolute honour to be here in this house. I hope I have not offended you in any way possible. Um, can I be of service to you? Uh, please, Adrian, look into my eyes. Here. <laughs> and he looks up. He looks over at the head uh, here and then looks back at you and he, he looks up to you with his eyes and he's got um, quite kind of lovely, innocent blue eyes. Are you are you feeling well? Yes, thank you very much, Lady Prudhoe. I'm feeling very well. How are you feeling? It just, uh, I could swear I, I, I saw your eyes w were red not too long ago. I, um, I, I don't think I, I've ever I'm seen I... you before, miss. I apologise, I don't mean to contradict you because you're the lady of the manor, but I don't think we've ever met before and I'm sorry if that's the case because... Did you I'm... not drive our carriage? No, uh, miss. I'm the carriage driver of the Purdue Manor, but I, I was told that when Mr Burroughs was leaving for Shepherd Manor that, that he would drive the carriage himself, I was told by Mr Oldworth. Who? Mr Burroughs. Mr Burroughs did not uh, drive the carriage and if, if he did, he wouldn't have left his coat here. Did Were you just wearing this hat on the ground right now in the coach? No, I mean they are mine, I and mean, we've been wondering where they've been, where they've gone, Miss. Um, but there is I... an intruder. Search every part of this place, and anyone you don't recognise, do not trust. There is someone here who is trying to harm the family. Is that yes, clear? It's yes, not you. I'm sorry to have made you uncomfortable, Adrian. But I'm sorry to have made you uncomfortable, Miss. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Adrian. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> He's, they're all looking at each other like with they are concerned for you as much as they are for the situation. But reading the situation and seeing an opportunity to not be in your presence where he feels incredibly awkward, uh, he is going to run off and then try and search the manor, getting other people to search the property. Uh, Anastasia, we're just going to jump from you back to the good Reverend and Thomas and Charlotte, who are in with a Mr. Aldworth Esquire. I suppose you've had time to read the funeral service. I'd like to ask a few more details on this. How long have you been planning this funeral for? I do apologise, Lord Prido, but it wasn't just I planning the funeral. The other heads of the town weighed in somewhat and paid for services. The Hawthorns, the Duns, they wanted things to happen in a certain way. They paid for my legal services as well. I was... Over the moon, beyond ecstatic, to realise they were paying for my services. You could probably see now how ecstatic I am at such an opportunity. 
your excitement is indeed contagious, sir. Um, but um, I don't know how comfortable I feel about other families having a say in the Prido funeral rites. Um, uncle, is this a traditional thing to have other families pay? What would father say? I'm sure uh, the well-wishers of King's Coombe would want to see a respectable family have the proper funeral arrangements, one assumes, Mr. Oldworth. I mean, you're not aware of any history between the Prideaux's and these other families, are you? The only history I'm aware of between the Hawthorns, the Duns and the Prideaux's is that they are considered, unofficially you understand, the ruling families of Kingscombe. The Hawthorns and the Duns have taken it upon themselves to not only finance the funeral of Lord Matthew Prideaux, but they have also taken it upon themselves to inform the town of this loss and prepare every single soul within it to celebrate the life of Matthew Prideaux at the church service. You'll see the service is at 11 o'clock and then there is a private burial here in the Prideaux estate. Indeed, indeed. Will there be an opportunity, and he looks over at Thomas, to pay our respects to the body? Indeed. If you'd like to follow me. And he very slowly gets out of his chair. Can I just ask for our dear listeners, would one of you be willing to read what is on this funeral service for me, please? So, the funeral service of 2nd Lieutenant Matthew Prideaux on March the 8th, 1812. The inscription placed on the coffin in gold letters in front of the canopy, the word Devonshire. Engraved in the gravestone upon the family plot are the words of the forefathers of the great Prideaux family. Neither death, nor life, nor beings, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of the Holy Trinity, which is inherent in our sleeping Lord. And the order of the service, Despotium Fidel, the most noble Lord Matthew Prideaux, protector and saviour of our dear Kingscombe. After a series of transcendent and heroic services to the people, and in support of the families Hawthorne and Dunn, the gallant community leader fell most unfortunately to poor health. A concern we all share and carry in our souls as we offer praise upon the sleeping God, and hope that Lord Matthew Prideaux dreams of a world be helped to bring to fruition. Eleven o'clock, church service at the Hearts of the Sea Chapel. Two o'clock, private burial at the Prideaux estate. And this order of service was printed in Kingscombe by R. Thompson of Six Crane Court, Crispin Street. And at the top, we have the Prideaux family crest. The Reverend will, having read this through, possibly have a little shiver as he's not too familiar with the interpretation of the Christian Bible of the sleeping God, <laughs> and he doesn't recognise the word Fatagan as any kind of um, Hebrew or <laughs> Latin. There must be one of the um, wider interpretations of the Bible. He's possibly not familiar. 
He will nod and, and smile and uh, possibly uh, try and remember his theological college a little bit harder. Charlotte, I am going to ask you something as well. Okay. Charlotte, does anything stand out to you? That's all I'm going to ask you, actually. Yes. Charlotte picks up one of the the leaflets when the others have finished with it and she reads it through and she's just as puzzled as the reverend is uh, about this strange language that she's never seen before but what really grabs her is that in between the two columns of text at the top there is a symbol she has seen before it looks a little bit like an anchor rising from the waves but it's the symbol she saw scratched all over the bookshop where they found Isaac Chambers' body. And, and you, she goes white. You have done this to yourself, Charlotte. May I have a power roll, please? You may. That was a failure of 97 versus 55. Do you know, you see that symbol, you go white. As you say, remembering that that symbol alone had the power to drive that pain in your head. You passed out. You saw the boat, the rocking of the boat, the name of the boat. Do you remember the name of the boat? You might not. Out of character, I do not. Oh, I don't well, know if no, Charlotte does or not. That's fine. If, if at this particular moment, if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. Oh, the I'm Devonshire. Sure. Was, it, was it the Devonshire? It was the Devonshire. And as you look at that funeral service, you see... The inscription placed on the coffin in gold letters in front of the canopy. The word Devonshire. Things are falling into place. You just don't know what place. It's a puzzle where half of the pieces have no image. But somehow they all fit together. But you feel comforted. Because there's a scent that washes over you. It's almost a lavender. And you feel a hand on your shoulder. There's a squeeze on your shoulder. Ah, oh, it's exactly how your husband used to do it. Just reminds you in that moment of what you lost, but what you had, and it was beautiful. But you turn around and there's no one there. You felt like you belonged once upon a time. Now, belonging is something that seems far and distant as much as the people around you in this family mean well actions speak louder than words Anastasia you're downstairs the staff have been running around searching the house they all come back to you they look disappointed with themselves you know exactly what the answer is going to be when you look at them they can't find anyone they're all averting your gaze, whether it's because they're embarrassed or they think you're a bit weird. She doesn't pick up on that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you do, Anastasia? I'm really sorry to have wasted your time. Um, please do keep an eye out for any strangers. I fear we might be in danger, but I can see I've already upset you enough I'm, I'm going to go find my family thank you again um, not at all miss we'll bring the tea up no thank you they all scuttle around 
you uh, bring yourself upstairs. You see that the family, the Reverend, your brother, Charlotte, are following a rather older gentleman that you haven't met yet, uh, who has these uh, eyelids that don't seem to move half past his eyes. And he is moving rather slowly. You can see everybody's taking kind of two steps forward and then having to slow themselves down just to maintain the pace of uh, Mr. Oldworth Esquire. And he seems to be moving towards a room off to the side. The door opens, and you see before you a coffin with a few chairs laid out before it. And he stands there, bows his head. If you'd like a moment alone with Lord Matthew Prideaux, second lieutenant, then please take your time. I will be in the room next door with my apprentice, Mr. Burrow. If you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to speak to me, and I will acquiesce them immediately. Um... Actually, I do have a question, but it is for Mr. Barrows. Would you like me to relay it, or would you like me to send him through? I assume you are Miss Anastasia Prideau? And he looks over at Thomas and the Reverend for confirmation. Oh, Anastasia, there you are. Where have you been? I will tell you later, Uncle, but I have some unfortunate news. Uh, but first, uh, could I speak to Mr. Barrows here, please? I hope he hasn't embarrassed Oldworth Associates. I, I <laughs> the Reverend so. looks at Thomas, making sure he doesn't say anything. <laughs> Thomas keeps quiet. <laughs> and then I shall send him through. And he bows quite sharply, uh, unexpectedly for his um, his persona, and then he leaves the room. He goes into the next room. You probably have about a minute before Mr. Burroughs comes through. Is there anything you discuss, Anastasia, before Mr. Burroughs comes through? I saw I, I, I saw him again, the, uh, the man with the red eyes. He was wearing a uh, carriage driver's hat and the coat and uh, he disappeared into the servants' quarters and I went downstairs <gasps> to find him. Ankle. Not the appropriate point to gasp, but it's okay to go downstairs to see the servants. <laughs> <laughs> um and i i think i think whoever whoever was with us last night has followed us here in the carriage uh, goodness anastasia you, you, you mustn't wander off like that this family is at, at risk and and you wandering off to but the servants you, did, did you find the gentleman in question i did not, but the the uniform was on the floor, and everyone said they don't know how it got there. And when I asked their actual carriage driver, um, Adrian, whether it was his, he said he didn't drive us here. And in fact, at last minute, he was told that Mr. Barrows was said to drive us. Mr. Barrows, you walk in at that moment. You hear the words, Mr. Barrows was set to drive us. My Miss, my Miss Prideau, there, we, there you are. We were expecting you. Uh, Mr. Barrows, now tell me. The Reverend looks at Mr. Burrows. I spoke to the young carriage driver downstairs, and he says that you told him that there was no need for him to drive us here because you were going to drive us here, but you were clearly not driving that carriage, so please do tell me who was driving the carriage we came in. Mr. Burrows turns to look directly at the camera. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Mr. Burrows... The last thing you remember when you were leaving Kingscombe under the orders of Mr. Oldworth Esquire was that you were to drive the carriage to Shepford Manor to pick up the Prideaux's. But you arrived at the carriage 
And there was a driver. Tricorn hat, long driver's coat. And as you approached the carriage, he just said, quite expectantly, Sir, ready to leave? And Mr. Burrows, with your arms full of papers, you climbed into the carriage. Everything seemed as it should seem. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, well, Mr. Burrows starts sweating profusely (laughs) um, and dabbing at his forehead with a handkerchief. Uh, Mr. Burrows, did you bring the intruder to our house and then to the the manor and now here? (laughs) Ah. No, it couldn't be. <laughs> uh, it's simply not uh, not possible. I, I merely assumed, uh, perfectly naturally, I should say, that uh, Mr. Orbeth changed his mind. Uh, naturally, he, he understands my position. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a driver. I, I had paperwork to see to, and 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 and, and there is a, a, a coachman here on on retainer. I simply assumed he was that. You say you spoke to him now. That wasn't him. Whoever drove that carriage is nowhere. Whoever that draws that carriage is the same person and broke into the house. And you brought him there. Uh, Mr. Burroughs collapses sort of backwards against the wall. Um, I said, please. Oh, oh God. I assure you, I, I could not have known. I could not have suspected. What are we going to do? As time has passed in this moment, and nobody has joined Mr. Oldworth Esquire... <laughs> Ready for the reading of the will, he reappears at the door, having heard the last few statements. Mr. Burroughs, I believe you have some explaining to do. Mr. Oldworth, sir, I am, I am contrite. I, I beg your pardon, all of you. I simply assumed... Why, I had never seen the man here without his hat and coat, and, and it was quite the same attire, and, and the same voice even, I should have said. I simply assumed it was him that you had very thoughtfully, as is your want, sir, sent him after me. I, I Silence, Burrows. Apologies. If you'd like to join me in the study, I'm sure we can make everything make sense. Thank you for joining us for Act 8 and join us next week for our penultimate episode in this season of Cult and Culpability. Remember, you can find us at www.miskatonicplayhouse.com and you can also visit the main stage for other scenarios from the Miskatonic Playhouse with links in the show notes below. Please like and subscribe and if you can spare a minute to leave a review, it makes a huge difference to other like-minded listeners who will be able to find and enjoy our work. Until next time, when the curtain rises again.